We are so glad that you have joined us today. Thanks for all the grandmas and grandpas that came out for uh, our newborn recognition and to be able to celebrate those uh, little guys and gals. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, if you were not here with us last week, um, I need to catch you up on some things. I uh, found out that we've got some people in our church that like Dr. Pepper. We asked them not to come back this week, uh, but they did anyway. Uh, we, we know that there's some people here that like Coke, right, as they should. Uh, we know that there are people here that like Pepsi, and then I was told, you know, there is the Uncola. And so this week I brought some Sprite up here just trying to um, make sure I got everybody's uh, preference. I know I left off root beer. Somebody came and told me, you know, that was their favorite last week. I left that off, and I'm sorry about that. But um, I got four different preferences up here for you today. And, and you can just look, and you can decide which one that you like uh, the best. Now, if you were here with us last week, you remember that uh, we talked about the fact that we all have preferences preferences. We all have things that we like. We all have things that we enjoy. And those preferences can range from the colas that we drink to the clothes that we wear. And we end up bringing a lot of those preferences then into our, our church communities. And we bring those preferences in. And sometimes we're surprised when other people don't have the same preference that we do. And sometimes that can cause issues. And so during the summer months, we have been, we've been going on this study of grace, looking at grace in the real world, and just some areas where, you know what, it would be great if we could just be people of grace, instruments of grace in certain specific situations. And we've talked about things from race relations, we've talked about politics, and last week we said, you know what, it would be really good if, if maybe we could show a little grace within our church communities. Wouldn't it be great if within our church communities we could show some grace, uh, not just based on where people come from or, or how people vote or, or what people look like, but if we could show some grace based on other individuals' preferences. And, and so I had one of our elders, Steve Kahn, I, I asked him to come up last week and we had a taste test. And, and at the beginning last week, these different colas, they were all covered up and Steve had the opportunity to come and, and, and to taste and to decide which one he liked the best. And he chose Dr. Pepper. And because of that, Steve is not with us here today. We... Uh, He's really not. They usually said the cons are not here today, they, but they're actually in Harding. They're up in Searcy uh, welcoming their son, Mac, back to um, this side of, of the world. He's been off in um, Colorado. He and Calvin both, actually, have uh, been in Colorado. And so Mac's back in college. They went over to, um, to welcome him. And, and so even though Steve disagreed with me in my brand of cola last week, and, and I was thinking about bringing him back up, to talk more about it this week. He's not able to be here. So here's what I've done. I've decided instead of having someone up here to argue with, I'm going to have someone who agrees with me. And so I've asked Tim Edmonds. He's another one of our elders here. And he's going to need the, um, the microphone that you have, if you don't mind, Derek. Tim, come on up. Uh, because I have been told that you prefer Coca-Cola. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Come and have a seat. That's, that's great. You're my brother. Awesome. You come and have a seat. I didn't let Steve sit down after I found out what he liked last time. And, and we're just going to have a little conversation. Now, you were here last week, and you saw what went on with myself and Steve, right? Yes, I did. All right. 
and you saw how that when Steve chose Dr. Pepper, I was offended because I like Coke, and, and I kind of made a big deal and, 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 you know, played it up and talked about how that, you know, we could never worship together anymore, and, and I was offended because of what he had chosen, and it was different for me, and, and kind of went overboard, and I think that was pretty, hopefully that was pretty evident to you, and, but one of the points that I tried to make was the fact that, you know what, we, we divide and argue over a lot less within, church, within our churches than, than Coke. And I think you've seen that before in, in areas and in churches that you've been a part of. And I know your father was an elder in the church, and, and so I know that you've heard these discussions and things before. Uh, but I think it's important, and I know that for you as an elder here, it's important that our congregation come to understand that we all have preferences. And that's something you want everybody to understand, right? Absolutely. And so what we're going to do today is kind of walk through what to do when, well, when our preferences are, are different. And what happens if your preference is different from, from, from mine and, and Tim's preference in different things? Now, the first thing I want to point everybody to is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, where it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. And let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and in, in purpose. Now, that's the, that's the plea. That's what wants to take place. Now, whether Tim and I agree on what drinks we like the best here, that's irrelevant in the big scheme of things. And there are other things that become irrelevant within the church community in the big scheme of things when you go to Scripture and begin looking at actually what God's plan is for, for the body. So, Tim, I'm glad that you agree with me, you know, for Coke. Uh, but I'm sure there's other things that you and I disagree on. Like, what is your favorite uh, Major League Baseball team? Chicago Cubs. All right. So, um, everybody here knows that your favorite baseball team should be, I mean, the Braves. I mean, everybody understands that, right? I mean, look where you live, Tim. How in the world did you get to pull for a northern team like that? Well, there's a story there. All right, but I don't want to hear it oh, because, okay. no, this is my time, not yours, all right? So, no, um, uh, all right, so your, so your favorite baseball team um, is the Cubs, all right. Uh, let's see if we can um, bring it a little closer. Uh, maybe, since you alienated uh, over half the audience here, let's see if we can do a little better. What is your favorite um, college football team? Oh, Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee Volunteers, we got any of those, right? All right, we, we've got some. Now you've only alienated about half the audience here. That's okay. Um, how about music? What's your favorite music style? Well, I do like uh, Christian music. You like Christian music. Well, that should go over well. I mean, we are in a church setting. I would hate for you to say I like Christian music, and all of a sudden everybody's like, how did he become an elder right there? I mean, wow, how, what, um, all right. So you have those, you have those preferences, right? Uh, what uh, what Bible translation do you normally read out of? Normally the NIV. Normally the NIV. Is that what you grew up with? Yes, it is actually. Is that what you grew up with? That's not what I grew up with, but I'm going to let you sit here anyway. Okay. All right. I grew up reading the King James Bible. How many of you grew up reading the King James Bible? Raise your hand. All right, Tim, you're a little outnumbered here, but that's all right. Again, you can stay. 
I grew up reading the King James Bible. I went to college with my King James New Testament and Psalms. That was, as you said, my jam, Derek. I mean, that's, I understood. It made sense to me. It wasn't until I was um, getting out of college, actually, that I began uh, reading the New International Version. And now, for those of you that have been coming, you know that we refer to multiple different translations throughout the sermons that I use. And so, but that's a difference that you and I have in our, in our background. Now, we talk about these different preferences, and we're not trying to make light of them because, understand, look, your preference, my preference, they're very important to us because they're our preferences. But here's what we have to decide. What do I do when my preference is not the church's practice? What do I do when my preference is not the church's practice? That's an important question to ask whenever you're looking at the congregation that you're a part of. Maybe you've been here at East Brainerd for years. Or maybe you're one of our incoming college students and you're looking saying, all right, I'm wondering about uh, being a part here at this congregation while I'm going through college. Maybe you're new to town and you're thinking, man, I want to be a part with a group of believers, but um, there's just certain preferences I have. And you're looking at the different practices of the church. And do you have to make this decision? What do I do when my preference is not the church's practice? Well, here's the thing, Tim. Even though last week Steve and I argued over which we preferred, uh, another one of the reasons that I ask you to be up here, the fact that, yes, we agree, but I think it's important for us, since we agree on this, and since we know that there are others out there that do not agree that, that Coke is the best one, uh, we need to hear this personally that we are not to argue over preference. We're not to argue over preference. Now this isn't just something that I came up with. It's something that actually the Apostle Paul would talk to Christian community about centuries ago. If you'd like to open up your Bibles, I encourage you to do so and find Romans chapter 14. And we're going to look through that particular chapter, looking at a couple of different passages as we look at this idea of what do we do when our preference and the church's practice are, are not the same. So this first thing, Tim, we can't argue over our preference because in verse 1 it says that we are not to quarrel over disputable matters. Now, I understand that for some of you, what drink you have might be considered an indisputable matter. You might say, you know what, there is no disputing about it. It is Coke or it is Pepsi or it is Sprite or it is Dr. Pepper. And that's the end of the conversation. I don't want to talk about it at all. But actually there are a lot of disputable matters. There's a lot of questioning that can go on. One translation reads this verse saying, don't argue about doubtful issues. Don't argue about doubtful issues. And then Paul would go on to describe what the doubtful issue was that he was addressing. Within the church community there in Rome, there were people that felt like they, they could not eat certain things. They could not eat certain foods. There were others who were in that church community that thought they could eat anything. Now it wasn't because of calories. It wasn't because of anything being unhealthy or not. It was all about an individual's religious beliefs. There were some within that church community who had grown up with a heritage that said that there are certain foods that are unclean. Not that they had not been washed, but they were unclean in a holy way. There were things that they had been told in their religious heritage, if you eat these things, you will not be honoring to God. There are others within that church community who had grown up differently. Like Tim and I, I grew up watching the Braves with my grandmother. 
We watched that, you would think, religiously. Even when the Braves were bad. We watched Claudel Washington, Dale Murphy, Rafael Ramirez. That's what we watched. And I became a Braves fan. And then there's this guy. He watched that WGN channel. Yeah. That other channel that's on all the time. Right? And he learned about the Cubs. And he has a different heritage than I do. And within Rome, there was this arguing and disputing over, can you be a Christian and not have these dietary restrictions? Can, can I worship with you and you eat everything, even those things that have been sacrificed to idols in the past? I don't know if we can be together within the same community. And so let's say Tim and I here, we come from the same background perhaps, and we eat ball like Coke, and we're told, look, we can't start quarreling with people over Coke or, or Dr. Pepper. And we say, well, that's not a big issue. Well, there are other issues that are here within our church community that oftentimes we do get upset about. Worship styles, for one. What does worship look like? What happens during communion time? What happens during singing time? The different translations that are used. Oftentimes that can be areas where individuals begin to quarrel and have different preferences. How you organize Bible classes. What do you do with vacation Bible school? What do you do with your children's ministry, your youth ministry? There were, used to be times, you don't hear it as much now, but individuals were very concerned if churches, Tim, you might remember this, built a gym or anything like that onto their property. Some of you have been raised during times where there were questions about could you eat within the church building itself the, on that campus in, in any way? So there's been a lot of different arguing back and forth that has gone on through the years about things that some said were preferences and then some said, no, these things are actually God's precepts. Well, here's the problem. We've got to guard from something. We need to guard against equating our preference with God's precepts. Now, in the earlier passage we looked at in verse 1, it said that you should accept the person whose fake is weak without arguing with them over these disputable matters. Now, a person's faith was considered to be weak by Paul if he did not allow, or if she did not allow, for grace to be enough. If they did not allow for grace to be enough. If individuals held to a Jesus plus theology, this idea that, okay, I need Jesus plus I need to not eat certain things or I have to have Jesus and I have to eat certain things in order to be pleasing to God. And Paul writes to the Roman church and he says, look, that's a weakness in faith. It is a weakness in faith when your faith will not allow you to participate in certain activities because you are in fear of forfeiting your salvation or disappointing God. He will continue on through the passage and he'll say, you know, those who eat everything, those who do not have this restriction, he will consider them to be strong, he says, because there is nothing now that is unclean and all food can be eaten. But the person who says, you know what, I just think I have to have Jesus plus, that is the person that Paul says, look, you're, you're that weaker individual. Now, Tim, what we're told in that situation is that we are to accept, or in our situation, since we're the ones here today who say we want Coke and we think everybody should like it, we need the congregation to accept us. 
But we can't be arguing about this over and over and time and time again. You see, every issue is not a salvation issue. And that's difficult for our fellowship sometimes. Every issue is not a salvation issue, meaning that I have to come to a certain understanding in order to be saved. Now, Tim and I have not talked about this previously, but I just want to ask you, Tim, you got any ideas on what happens when the Lord comes back? That's what I thought. Good, yeah. Um, You're probably better off to be quiet there. Do you know that at the turn of the century within our fellowship, one of the big debates that went on is what would happen when the Lord returns? We don't talk a lot anymore about the ideas of amillennialism or premillennialism or postmillennialism or any of those isms anymore. But at the turn of the 20th century, that was big within our fellowship. And debates would go back and forth about what you believed and where you stood. And eventually it was decided that there needed to be a certain understanding for you to be in right fellowship. There needed to be a certain way that you looked at this question. And if you looked at it differently than others, well then you were, you were shunned. And there began to be this development then of the idea that there were these salvation issues where you had to come to proper understandings about specific things in order to be in right relationship. Now let me show you what scripture talks about in the context of keeping unity and keeping people in a right relationship with God. It's from Ephesians 4 and verse 3. Tim, why don't you read that? It's there on the screen. Why don't you read that one out for us? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. All right, so Paul says, I want you to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And now he's going to describe how that unity looks and what that unity is made of. Why don't you go ahead and read the next verses for us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Notice the ones that are mentioned there. He says, look, there is one body and there is one spirit. You have one hope. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God, the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Paul says, this is what I want you to endeavor to keep. This is where you are unified. This is what holds you together. This is what it is that makes you one. But Paul, what about when the Lord comes again? What, what is that going to look like exactly? And how is all that going to play out? He doesn't discuss all that. Well, well Paul, what, what about when we come together for our worship times? How many songs do we need to sing? Well, he doesn't discuss that. Well, when we come together and, and, and have our different times of, of study, how many people should get up and speak? What should we be doing during those times? He doesn't talk about that in this particular passage. He focuses in on things where he says, you know what? This is, this is the one thing. This is the one thing. This is the one thing that binds you together. And as, as one of my friends like to, likes to say, the rest is, is color commentary. As you look to see what it is that, that Paul looks to and says, you know what? These are God's precepts. And so when you look at Scripture, there are some things that Scripture speaks to that are very clear. When it comes to who Jesus is, when it comes to who God is, when it talks about faith, when it talks about 
baptism, when it, it, it talks about the hope that we have, the spirit. There are things that scripture is very, very clear on. And then there are other things that scripture will address as different problems arise within the church community and, and different instruction will be given by different writers. And what you begin to see is there are oftentimes things that are not as clear that sometimes direction needs to be given. But many times there is freedom that is allowed. Because not every issue is a salvation issue. And so, Tim, you and I cannot pass judgment on or look down upon those who think and or practice differently than we do. Now again, that's just not me coming up with something. This is something that Paul would write again to those Roman Christians. Look there again in your text in Romans chapter 14. Look at verse 3. He says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Now this was a hard teaching for those to hear who had been brought up always hearing that you know what, in order to be pleasing to God there are some foods that you have to avoid. And now they come into this Christian community, they have a belief in who Jesus is, but they still hold to many of the things their ancestors had told them, made them pleasing to God, and now they're being told that those who think and act differently have also been accepted by God. And that's a hard thing to hear. It's hard for Tim and I to understand that there are people who like things other than Coke. And that it's okay. And maybe it's hard for you to hear. That there are individuals who believe and think differently than you do on, on disputable matters. On the way things go sometimes. And that they've been accepted by God. Here's what Paul says, continuing. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holier than another, while others of you think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. And those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks in everything. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Understand what Paul is saying. He says, look, both of these groups who are having this dispute have been accepted because both share the same heart motivation. You have one group who says, you know what, I can't eat this food because I feel that to do so would dishonor my relationship with God. And Paul says, great, then don't eat the food. And there's another group that says, you know what, I think I can eat anything because I eat to the Lord and I give thanks for the bounty that he's given me. And Paul says, great, you eat the food. Your motivation is the same. You seek to please God in what it is that you do. You say, well, what in the world would be a similar situation with us? Here's something that I did not grow up doing. For the first 42, 3 years of my life in church situations, whenever I came to worship and it came time for communion, everything was silent and quiet. Is that similar to your background, Tim? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's Very similar some. for you. So it was quiet. Uh, and then... I have been at places before where individuals 
read scripture during communion time where prayers were even offered during that communion time and then we're singing whether listening to songs being sung or a group singing or um, the congregation singing itself you know over the last few years we have begun singing more and more during our communion time like I said, for some 40-something years, we never sang. And now for the last couple of years, we, we sing very routinely during that communion opportunity. And I know that for some of you who are here this morning, silence is your preference. And I know that for others of you who are here this morning, singing during that communion time is your preference. And guess what? God says you're both right. And you're both fine. He says, you know what? Those of you that want to sing, sing. Those of you who would like to be silent, be silent. It's all right. Because those of you who are silent, do so to the Lord so that you might be able to perhaps read scripture there in your seat or you're saying your own private prayer or you're just sitting there listening to what's going on around you and you're doing it to the glory and honor of God. And those of you who are singing, you're lifting your voice up in a way to praise the Father, to thank him for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And scripture would tell you, keep raising your voice and keep singing. Their preferences. As you look through scripture, there is no direction given as to should you be silent or should you be singing when it comes to that time and that practice. Both have been accepted because both share the same heart motivation. And just as we see in Romans, neither needs to change their view. Even though there was a right way here for the Roman church. Paul says, look, those of you that think you can eat everything, you're right. But don't go tell those that don't think you can eat that they're wrong. You accept that brother, that sister of the weaker faith. You don't have to have them change their view. And so as you look around this church community and there's different preferences maybe that you have that others maybe do not share. Understand it is not your responsibility to go around within your church community and to make everybody drink the same drink that you drink. That's not your goal. That's not your role. It's not your responsibility. It's for you to be able to accept those individuals who have a different preference from you. And do not look down upon them. Those who felt like they could eat anything were told, look, you don't look down in a condescending way on those who refrain. And those who refrain were told, stop judging your brothers and sisters because the Lord has accepted them. And my how our churches need to hear those words today. Because more often than not, as I mentioned last week, our churches like to argue more over preferences than tell the story of grace. And our churches are filled with individuals who want to point to one side of the auditorium or to the front or to the back and to judge a brother or sister because of the worship that they offer or the position that they hold or want to look down on someone who they do not consider as enlightened in them. And scripture says, church, it is not to be. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? I'm convinced, being fully persuaded of the Lord, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, guess what? It's unclean. You see, we should be able to live out multiple preferences. Now what does that mean when it comes then to the preferences that a church enacts? You know, sometimes we can accommodate multiple preferences within our church body. And you guys have already seen that. 
I know, Tim, you're part of our um, education uh, ministry team. Uh, you meet with that group regularly as one of the um, elders to understand different things that are being planned and, and different um, classes that are being offered. And um, I know one of the things that you've seen is that we try to offer different style classes. We have classes that are uh, election um, lecture-based. We have classes that are more discussion. We have different class styles that we try to offer because we realize that there is a, a different way that a lot of people learn. And so we try to, to have different classes to meet those different preferences. And we also have different small group structures. I know you had a small group one time. How many people ended up in that small group before it became a um, large church? How many? We would have over 70 people. Yeah, over nights. 70, right, in a small group. And so we have different small group structures. They look different. Some, some are larger, some are smaller. We have some groups that are hiking groups and running groups that are based on the activities that you like to be involved in, your interest. We have other groups that meet here that are based around study of God's word. We have groups that are based around getting together to share meals with one another and, and to study different type groups to meet different preferences. And then there are also different, different worship styles that we have gone through. We, we go through times where we sing some in English. We sing some in Spanish. We'll have announcements in English. We'll have announcements in Spanish. There'll be times where there'll be scriptures in English or Spanish, depending on the, um, the congregation that we have at the time and the different things that we're trying to accomplish and do. There are times that we sing more of what people might consider to be newer songs or praise songs. And then there'll be times where we go through a period of hymns, just like we did earlier today. Different preferences that individuals have. And all through that, as we look to accommodate different preferences, sometimes we can make decisions that are able to scratch everyone's back and everyone leaves going, wow, man, that was great because I felt like I got something today. But then at other times, we have to be pragmatic. And we have to say which practice will enable us to most effectively accomplish our mission in sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we ask questions, and I've heard the elders ask these questions, Tim. How can we best center others on Christ? And what strategy or practice provides the opportunity for the greatest impact in our community? And what can we do in our assemblies to better allow the worshipers to draw near God? And the answers that come to these questions might not be your preference. It might not be your preference. It might not be my preference. And Tim, it might not be yours. And Paul says, okay, that'll happen. But don't argue about it. And don't judge your brother. And don't look down on your sister. Don't do those things. Now, another example of, of this is something that currently we do not do here at, at East Brainerd, but something that we have told you in your different meetings that your classes have had with the elders that we are going to begin. And for those of you who are, who are new to our church family, uh, this particular issue, as you hear it, you might think, wow, you guys are 15 years behind the curve. Um, or this might be something that is very common to you, or it might be something that is very surprising to you. It all depends on, again, uh, your background. But we have told our congregation over the last few months that we are in the process of, of working so that in September, the second Sunday in September, right, Derek? Uh, we are going to have more people might 
in song than Derek. Right now we have one uh, worship leader that gets up in front of everybody and leads these songs and that's, that's Derek. But we're going to, to mic multiple people. Now maybe you've heard this referred to as a praise team or a worship team, whatever, uh, whatever team or group maybe that you've heard it used before. And uh, there's a reason why we're looking at, at doing this. We, we are part of an acapella heritage. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Churches of Christ, the Churches of Christ are, uh, come from an acapella heritage. That is, that is who we are and that is who we are here at East Brainerd. And, and we uh, love the heritage that we have as we sing and raise up our voices to God each time we get together as a congregation. And as such, we are always looking for ways to enhance our praise. Now, years ago, in order to enhance our praise, people began to adopt the singing in harmony, right? Because shape notes came along and different groups began to adopt the singing of harmony and using of shape notes. And so uh, people had song books and you would go to different classes and you would learn do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. And you would know where all the different shape notes sat on the staff. And, and you would learn about parts like soprano and alto and tenor and bass. And these then were incorporated within our worship times in order to enhance our praise. Now, now, for our generation, Tim, we're probably the last group um, that remembers those singing classes that um, individuals used to go to. Uh, and I can remember going on Sunday night, and we would all sit in different parts, and there would be a gentleman up front with a chalkboard, and he would have the staff up there, and he would have all the notes, and he would say, okay, here's what this one is, and here's what this one means, and we would all sing together. That's something that, for many of you, is in your heritage and something that you remember. And some of you can still actually read music. Now, here's what I'd like to see. I just want to know, how many of you cannot read music at all? If you can't read music, raise your hand. Awesome. How many of you, you can read a little. Go ahead and raise your hand. Some of you can read a little. Awesome. Good. So we got some who can and some who can't when it comes to that. Again, depending on your background. Now, there's a new generation that's been coming up through the years that is less interested in the harmonies and hearing all the parts as they are wanting to become lost in the words. And they just want to enjoy the songs and get lost in the words, don't really care if it's written in four parts or not. They're more uh, thinking about the actual words that are being sung than the, the way in which the song actually sounds. And they enjoy a lot of songs that are not even written in four parts. Songs that are made for the radio, so to speak, that individuals hear on the radio, and they're like, man, we'd love to be able to sing that in church. And it's like, that's great, but we don't really have, have that divided up into parts for the people that enjoy being able to do things like that. Now, when I was young, and I don't know if this happened with, with you, Tim, but we would go to sing a new song, and there would be someone who would go, all right, now when we get to the chorus on this, Marvin, I really want you to sing out loud on your bass part, all right? Now, everybody knew who Marvin was, and everybody knew where Marvin sat, and everybody could hear Marvin. And then it was, Judy, I want you to sing real loud on the alto, and everybody listen to Freddie. He's going to carry that tenor part when we get down there, and it's going to be beautiful. Now, that worked in the congregation that I was at because it was smaller. And we only had two rows that ran just like this. Now, in a congregation like this and in a room like this, it can become very difficult to hear those individual parts, especially those people who are gifted and are able to sing those particular notes. And since God's people have always been called to praise him, we want to continue to be able to praise and we want to enhance that singing and we want you to be able to hear multiple parts. 
It's something that some of you have never really heard a lot in your church upbringing. But we want you to be able to hear strong tenor and alto and soprano and bass and hear how those notes go together and how it enhances the words that we offer up to God. Now our preferred practice has been one mic leader. And we do that because, well, that's how everybody's kind of done it through the years. There's no scripture that says that you have one mic person that gets up and sing. That's just been our preference through the years. And where the person stands or, or sets, that also is not anything that is described by, by scripture. That's just preference, you know, that we have. Our preference for this is going to be that we're going to have Derek up here in front of everybody as usual and the group that will be mic'd will be setting off to the side. And they'll be singing along with him, along with you, and, and you'll be able to, to hear more parts than coming over the sound system. And let me just tell you guys that's underneath the balcony. You're going to hear those parts louder than others just because of the way that our sound system is set up. And if you say, I really don't like to hear people sing loud, then you need to move. All right? If that's just your thing, I don't like people to sing loud around me, I don't like to hear loud voices, then you need to move because it is going to be a little bit louder and we're going to work on that a little bit and try to, 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 to mesh all those volumes and things, but it's going to be louder underneath the balcony just because the way our sound system is set up. Now, if you're someone that says, boy, I love to hear those parts, then you switch with the person that's underneath the balcony, alright? And it will, be, it will be great. Now, let me tell you something. Here's what we understand. This might not be your preference. You might say, you know what, I just don't, I've never seen it, don't understand it, don't like it, not my preference. Okay. It doesn't have to be. Some of you might say, man, I've been waiting on this for years. This is awesome. Great. Don't look down on people that don't like it. Everybody can have their, everybody can have their preference. But it's something that we're going to try in order to enhance what it is that we already do. And we hope that you are encouraged by it. So there's just a way in which I wanted to provide something practical to say, look, this is how this lives itself out in our church community, where we need to be able to give grace to one another on an issue that some of you might be saying they're going, really? People would argue over that? You have no idea what people will argue over. Chicago Cubs, Atlanta Braves, Coke, Pepsi, Praise team, one song leader. It's amazing. So let's wrap some things up. If, if the preference that I have, if the preference that I have is going to be a problem, Paul addresses this. And he addresses it in this way. He says that you must be willing to give up your preference if it hinders the mission of God. Look again in Romans chapter 14. It says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now, now here's something I want you to understand because this is subject that's been talked about in a lot of ways um, over a lot of different, different types of lessons. That word that's translated there as stumbling block, if you look at the next slide that's going to come up, I have a couple of different versions where it's rendered. And I also have the actual word that the stumbling block is translated from. It is the word scandalizo, and it means to hinder right conduct or thought, literally to fall into a trap, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, and to cause to fall 
away. He says, look, if your brother or sister is distressed by what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And again, I want you to see the wording that, is, that was originally used here in this particular passage. Where when it talks about the individual being distressed, some translations say grieved or hurt. It's a word that means to have intense sadness or pain. It's a word that would be used to describe childbirth. And when the passage says, look, I don't want you to destroy another brother or sister. It's a word that you're going to see that implies permanent destruction. It means to be removed, to die, to ruin, to be lost. Paul in his writings here says, look, if what you are doing, if your preference is going to cause someone so much pain, that it could destroy their very relationship with God, then you need to put your preference aside and offer grace to your brother or sister. Now he does not say, if your preference is not your brother or sister's preference, then put your preference aside. He doesn't say, if, if what you are doing makes some people feel uncomfortable, he doesn't say if, if your practice is not how somebody else grew up, then you need to stop. His language is very intense. And he says, if your practice is going to destroy the other brother or sister, then you need to put it aside and stop it. It's a message that we need to take to heart. We need to understand that the mission of God comes before our preference. And so as you're looking at different preferences that you have, you need to ask yourself and say, you know what, does me living out this preference within the Christian community, does this preference draw people closer to God? Does it push people further away? Not does it push people to another congregation. Oftentimes, because of our Western culture and because of the way that we have churches on every single corner, it can become very easy that if you do not like the practice at your church, if it is not your preference, then you can go find a church that offers your preference. And before you leave, oftentimes what you tell people is that, look, if you don't change the practice to meet my preference, I am going to leave. And Paul would say, are you going to leave the Lord? No, I'm not going to leave the Lord. I'm just going to leave your community. I'm going to keep worshiping the Lord down the street. Then okay. But if it's going to cause you to leave the Lord, I'll change my preference. But if you're just upset, and if it's just not something that you like, Paul says we show grace to one another. And we hold to one another. Let me put up this chart here just to kind of walk you through what we've looked at. You've had two different groups that have been talked about. One held passionate beliefs passed down for centuries. One group didn't hold the same. One believed that participating in these beliefs they had to to please God. One said I don't really have to. One was called weak. The other was called strong. The weak were told to stop judging the strong group saying you know what they are accepted by God and the, the group that was 
accepted by God was to look, stop looking down on those that think that their faith won't allow them to go as far as yours does. You're all accepted because you're all motivated by the Lordship of Christ. And you don't have to change your preference. You can still say, you know what, I don't like the way we do this. And I prefer things the way they were when I was a kid. And, and I still like Coke and I don't want to have to drink Dr. Pepper. And that's fine. And one group is told, look, you stop if it's going to destroy your brother or sister. If it's going to cause them not to come to Christ. If it's going to cause them to walk away from the Lord. If it's going to cause them no longer to worship the one true God because of what they see you doing. Now let me stop here just a moment and say something, folks. We need to be very careful with this. Because how many of you have heard individuals who have said before, If that's the way Christians are going to act, if that's the way Christians are going to be, if that's the way Christians are going to treat me, then I will never step inside a church building again. We need to be careful. Thomas Robinson in A Community Without Barriers says, In these situations, Paul challenged those who were strong in the faith, who meet explicitly considered to be in the right to go against their correct practices in order to save a fellow Christian or a weak who is weak of faith. Here the danger was not that the weak Christian would disagree with the strong or that they would object to their practices. The danger was that they would be fundamentally damaged in their faith and their relationship with Christ would be destroyed. Their salvation was at stake and therefore the strong should choose to sacrifice their freedom to practice a more correct and mature doctrine important as it was in order to save the weak. Freedom must be limited if it causes an obstacle to the salvation of another. Your preference is not as important as the mission of God. And so, if my preference does not meet my church's practice, I've got to hold on to those who are different from me. Tim, we've got to hold to people who like different ball teams. We've got to hold to people who like different types of drinks. We've got to hold to people who like different styles in song and music and worship. We've got to hold to people who prefer different translations. We've got to hold to people who like classes one way or another. We've got to hold to people who have different preferences than maybe you and I have. Paul continues in this particular text and he says in Romans 15 verse 17, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And the word that shares therefore accept means to aggressively receive with strong personal inference, interest, and preference. You see, hoping that another group leaves is not an act of grace. You understand that within your church community? Hoping that another group will just get tired and leave is not an act of grace. Unity is not about uniformity. It's not about us all thinking the same way or liking the same things. It's about that oneness, that one body, that one Lord, that one faith, that that one Father, that one baptism. That is what unites us. But your opinion on worship styles and your opinion on what happens on a stage or in classrooms or what goes on in a lobby or all those different things that we can all have preferences over, that is not what unifies us. And so we hold to each other. And we make every effort to accept one another because Christ has accepted us. And when that happens, do you see what Scripture says takes place? We bring praise to God. We bring praise to God. You see, grace is greater 
than preference. And so, Tim, I appreciate you coming up here and, and sitting with me this morning and letting us bounce a couple of things off each other and, and being able to listen to the things that I shared because it's a message that you and I need to hear because we have certain preferences. And we have certain ways that we like things, but it's not always about us. But here's what I know about my brother. His preference is not his story. Jesus is your story. I know that. Yes. And Jesus is your story. And that's why we sang blessed assurance. Why? Because this is my story. This is my song. And what is it? Jesus. That is the preference. And because Jesus is the story. Not my preference. Then you know what? I can be here and I can worship with Tim even though, even though he likes a different ball team than I do. Even though he grew up reading a different translation than I do. And you can be in here and you can worship with individuals that like different songs than you like. And you can be here and you can worship with people that have a different religious background. And you can worship with individuals who have different thoughts on everything that takes place here within our church community. All because it's not about your preference. Because Jesus is the story. And maybe this morning you want to make Jesus the story of your life. And we want to give you that opportunity. I appreciate you listening. I know that I've gone a little long today, but it's something I felt like we needed to truly spend some time talking about as we look at ways that we share grace within our church community. If you need to respond, but maybe because of something that I've said, or maybe it's because of something that the Lord brought you here, you had a thought on your mind. Maybe you want to be baptized into Christ. Whatever your need is, we're going to stand as a unified body, giving praise to God and thanking Him for His grace. If you need to come, please do as we stand and sing.